everyone, my name is Michelle and welcome to Romcom Weekly. Today, my husband Frank is back and we're talking about the movie Marry Me. Hi Frank. Hey, long time no see. Welcome back. So a few things about this movie, it was released in February of 2022. It's directed by Kat Coiro, written by John Rogers, Tammy Sager, Harper Dill. It's based on a graphic novel by Bobby Crosby. It stars Jennifer Lopez and Owen Wilson. The IMDb.com summary is, Music superstars Kat Valdez and Bastian are getting married before a global audience of fans. But when Kat learns, seconds before her vows, that Bastian has been unfaithful, she instead decides to marry Charlie, a stranger in the crowd. It has a 6.1 on IMDb, and it made $47 million at the box office. There was a box office? Yeah, so this movie was released in theaters and on Peacock at the same time. I had no idea this was actually out in theaters. Yeah. So, I mean, not being a box office savant, those numbers seem pretty good, though. Okay, Frank, on a scale from 1 to 10, what are you rating this movie? So there was a bit of a journey. Okay. Because when we first watched this movie about a month ago, yeah. I came away feeling like it deserved a really high score. But then when we rewatched it last night in preparation for the pod, the first 20 minutes, I was thinking, this is like a 6, maybe like a 5.8. Wow. And then by the end... I was at a solid 8.1. Wow, that is quite a journey. That's really high, 8.1. Yeah, it's it's not reflective of, you know, a movie critic's point of view and assessing whether it's an actual good movie or not. This is a reflection of how I feel about it. Sure. And so this is an 8.1 in terms of enjoyability, how it affects me. And this is just how I choose to uh, to use my rating power. <laughs> okay, I'm landing at a solid seven. Okay. In terms of our history with this movie, as you mentioned, this movie just came out about a month ago. It came out on Valentine's Day. You and I have watched this movie twice at this point. Once when this movie came out that weekend. I'm trying to remember about a month ago in the context in which we first saw this movie. I think... It was a Friday night. You and I both had had really long, difficult weeks. Mm -hmm. And I was like, I can't wait to just... Unplug. Yeah, unplug and like shut my brain off and watch this movie. And I was very pleasantly surprised walking away from this movie. Um, And it was the perfect way to spend a Friday night. Agreed. Also, we have Peacock. We have Peacock, which I, you know, we're having this conversation. You didn't know that this movie came out in theaters. I don't know how many people have actually seen this movie, so I don't know. It's Peacock. I don't know how many people have Peacock. Not many. Not many. And I don't know what the general temperature is of people going to see rom-coms in the theaters. So another point of context I wanted to share with our listeners is that after we watched this movie, you immediately went to Instagram and you (laughs) screenshotted like Rotten Tomatoes of this movie and you had captioned your Instagram story with best movie of 2022. Do you remember this? I do. And I think some of the Oscar nominees hadn't quite come out yet. But still, (laughs) I think at the time, it was early February, still one of the best movies of of 2022. Sure. So I reshared your Instagram post. And I have to say, I got a lot of engagement. I got a lot of DMs being like, wait, are you serious? Wait, is Frank serious? And I was like, Just wait for the pod to come out. Okay, so 8.1, I'm giving it a 7. Let's dive into some things we like about this movie. A lot of it came down to um, two things for me. One were the themes that they they talked about and and represented through the script, the acting, etc. The other thing was I felt like this was the most powerful performance that I've seen from J-Lo ever in my life. Okay, well, let let me insert myself here is that are there any other JLo movies that you've seen? I have. Okay. What are they for context? There's Made in Manhattan with, uh, is that Matthew McConaughey? No, that's Ray Fiennes. Okay, cool, cool. <laughs> uh, and then there's another one where she's in a grocery store and she gets passed over for a promotion and it's, it's with Vanessa Hudgens. Second act. Second act. Uh, and I've probably seen one more. I just don't remember it. You've never seen The Wedding Planner? And The Wedding Planner with Matthew McConaughey. Correct. 
this has been, in my opinion, her most powerful and impactful performance. Well, and I have, I, I have, I have thoughts about it. So when we're, <laughs> when we're ready, let's let's do that. Okay. All right. Those are great two points. In very frank fashion, your bullet points are very concise and very articulate. I have a lot of things to add here. Uh, let's just get into it. In terms of the movie, generally speaking, I thought it was very wholesome and very family friendly, which I don't know what I was expecting going into this. There's no real villain. There's no real misunderstandings in this movie. I appreciate that. Which I know, like, I have a note that you appreciate that in movies. Um, this might bleed into other categories further along in our conversation, but I wanted to put that out there. It's just like, it's very easily digestible. The ridiculousness of this premise, I think, makes it easy to kind of continue this idea of make-believe. We're not meant to yeah. take it seriously. Uh, they've painted this picture right off the get-go. Like, this is ridiculous. We know. Let's just go with it. You're nodding your head. Yeah, I realize that no one can see me nodding my head. And <laughs> there are a lot of moments where you could have taken a step back and been like, this doesn't make any sense. Like, why Why is this happening? Why is that happening? And you're like, it's okay. It's okay. They're, they're getting married on stage at Jingle Ball or something like that. <laughs> It's fine. It's not Jingle Ball. It's just they're a concert. Um, let's talk J-Lo for a second. You just listed off a few of her other rom-coms that you've seen. And I will agree to you, or agree with you, that the movies that you listed, this is a very good one. I mean, barring Wedding Planner, which is a movie that I've talked about uh, on this podcast, which is a movie I also really, really like. I, I'm just so grateful for J-Lo to be back in this genre. I think she excels in it. She's really good in it. She is using this movie to showcase all her talents. Mm -hmm. She can sing, she can dance, she can act. And she's just, this is where she belongs, in my opinion. That Those words are, you took them right out of my mouth. Because <laughs> in the other movies that she stars in, she doesn't play the force of nature that she actually is. Right. J-Lo is a star. She's a star's star. And so that part of who she is in real life and everything that she brings to the table shines through Kat Valdez and, and her character. Mm -hmm. So to me, this is her most, it's not an autobiographical sort of performance. Yeah, She gets to exude the power and the inspiration that she brings into her performances and, you know, the rest of her, um, her existence yeah. as, as a star. So I think... My my relationship with J-Lo, going back however many years she's been in the industry, is I've never really had a, a strong relationship. Mm -hmm. Her music has been meh. Her acting is it's fine. It's like it's She's usually, in my opinion, not the star of the rom-com that she's actually in, which might not actually be true. Right. But she doesn't... Like, I'm not drawn toward her sure. in any of her other... Well, full disclosure, I've not actually seen a lot of her dramatic turns, minus like Hustlers, which I thought she was great in. I haven't really seen any of her other psychological thrillers, or darker films that she's done. Like Anaconda? I haven't seen Anaconda. It's not, it, don't worry. I haven't seen like Enough, where she's like a, a woman leaving a abusive marriage. I think that's what that plot is. But yeah, that is not the J-Lo that I enjoy. This is the J-Lo I enjoy. But speaking of J-Lo, if I may continue on that, is that this movie is very, quote, knowing and aware of who its stars are. Mm -hmm. J-Lo, as I said, she gets to kind of showcase her talents, but there's a lot of parallels here, right? Like we, as an American society, or I don't know, just society in general, know J-Lo to be a superstar. She herself has been thrice divorced, as Kat Valdez has, and you know, I've read a lot of interviews with J-Lo and she, even though she's gone through a lot of heart, public heartbreak and falling outs with her partners, is that she still believes in love, like optimistically. In real life? In real life. Oh. You know, so does Kat Valdez. There's a whole, that's who she is. That's why I like it because it's, it's a, it's a theme of optimism. Mm -hmm. And even though the movie's about love, you could project that onto almost anything else in life. And I think that's that's why this movie is extremely relatable because I have not been in three, you know, previously failed marriages mm -hmm. that you know of. And I think that when you when you look at the messages and the themes throughout the movie, that's ap that's applicable to 
a lot of different things in life, not just love. Sure. So that's, uh, yeah, more to come on that. Yeah. Um, a few other notes here is that Kat Valdez is a very media savvy woman. And I think we all know that JLo is also that person. Um, she exudes a certain image, which is another theme that I would like to touch on later. Um, and there's just one specific bit is that Kat Valdez feels hurt by not being nominated for anything. Mm -hmm. And I feel like there was this commentary, J-Lo, I actually Googled, like, has J-Lo been nominated for anything? She has been nominated for a few Grammys at the beginning of her singing career. I think it was like in 2000 and 2001 for her first album. Oh, but wow. since then, she has not been nominated for any Grammys. She was nominated, I think, for a Golden Globe for Hustlers, but there was a lot of speculation that J-Lo could actually get nominated for an Oscar when Hustlers came out, and she wasn't. And mm. I think she kind of almost like had that expectation that she was going to be. But anyway, I just wanted to point out those few parallels. J-Lo and Owen Wilson, do you think they have chemistry in this movie? They're fine. I just can't take Owen Wilson seriously, because earlier in the day, I watched Wedding Crashers. <laughs> It's really difficult to... to Iconic hear. Owen Wilson performance. Um, okay, well, I, I personally think that they have good chemistry here, which is surprising. But I also think that J-Lo has chemistry with anybody. That's fair. I think she could, like, make chemistry work with a rock. You know, I think she's just that warm and charming and just... Lovable is not the right word, but, you know. Inspirational is the word that I did not expect myself to use. <laughs> But her performance was inspirational. The The movie was inspirational in some ways. And I think her personality is inspirational as well. Well, because J-Lo is known to be this incredible, like, incredibly hard worker. She has this insane work ethic, which has been talked about in a lot of interviews. So I think that carries over to this movie also, where Kat Valdez is, she's not going to let her heartbreak slow her down in her, mm -hmm. in her work and all that stuff. But the other thing I really like about this movie is that both of these actors, J-Lo and Owen Wilson, are older than 50. They're in their 50s. And I'm here for these more, these love stories for people later in life. I, I also appreciated that there was, there wasn't really an element of self-discovery. There wasn't mm. having to find yourself. Sure. There's a, a certain phase in life where you are still trying to find yourself in rom-coms. Uh, yes. That seems to be a thing. That did not have to happen mm. here. And so I felt like that skipped a lot of story development and you, you don't need it. Sure. And it was, we were able to focus on other themes, mm. which um, That's a really was good refreshing. Point. I found this quote I was reading, as I do usually, I read uh, reviews of the movie that I'm about to discuss. And I found this quote that I really thought was so true. So Angie Han from The Hollywood Reporter, she reviewed this movie favorably and she said here, quote, the chemistry that develops is not the giddy intensity of first love, but the warm, steady glow of two people who've been around the block enough times to recognize when they found a rare and good thing. Mm. And that's exactly what I was trying to say. Like, I like that this story is about people in their 50s who've lived life, who have lived through heartbreak. She's north of 35. So, it, oh my you know, that's... It's a quote in the movie. Yeah. Amazing. J-Lo, just beautiful. We bow down to J-Lo. Are there any other things you like about this movie? I really appreciated a lot of the themes that were discussed throughout the movie, but one thing I want to talk about first is the acting. Throughout the scenes that could have been potentially cheesy or just like... discard. Yeah, very cringe. Just like Owen Wilson walking up uh, to the stage at the beginning, uh, sorry, in the middle of the concert. Those minutes uh, where they were together and it was actually some pretty dramatic acting... I felt like both of them did a really good job in mm -hmm. holding in holding up whatever it is that they were supposed to hold up. Mm -hmm. And you can actually look at JLo's face and you can kind of see the emotions of uncertainty and doubt and risk taking all at the same time. And then on Owen Wilson's face, you can see this just sympathetic, empathetic. Mm. I'm there. It's not something I really want to do, but I'm 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 here because I'm a good person and I, I want to say yes Just to, to help her out. Yeah. And you know, they get into the car, they have these you can feel the tension, the writing is not overbearing and I felt like there were these harder to do parts of the movie actually came together really well. I think I I mean I agree with you. I think what works is because it's not trying too hard. 
there are certain moments in ro- a lot of rom-coms where you're just like, oh, this is this is so uncomfortable. This is so cringeworthy. But I actually never really felt that watching this movie, which I think, you know, you and I are talking about this movie and we really liked it. I think that might be a surprise to a lot of people. I mean, if I'm looking at the DMs that I got, it was like, wait, are you serious? This movie looked terrible. The trailer looks ridiculous. It looks so stupid. But I mean, not no. Like, yes, it is silly. It is ridiculous. But I think that's a reason to kind of just lean into the the ridiculousness of this movie. So I was going to say this until the very end, but this feels like the right time to mention it. It's not going to end up on anybody's like top 100 list of all time. Absolutely not. But it was an unexpected inspiration. And the fact that it was unexpected makes it that much more powerful, Mm -hmm. which is why I think we both ranked it unexpectedly high. Mm -hmm. Um, Okay, I have a few more things to talk about here about why I like the movie. I got a lot of Notting Hill vibes watching this movie. Is this a movie you've seen? I have watched it with you. In full. In full, which is why I'm surprised that you have to ask me. Well, I rewatch a lot of these movies, so. I have watched Notting Hill. I don't remember any of it, except... uh, I'm just a boy standing in front of you. Ask. I'm, I'm just, just a girl. girl. <laughs> something, something. Sure. So anyway, the reason I bring this up is because I love Notting Hill, which has been well documented on this podcast. The similarities here is that it's a famous woman falling in love with an average guy. And there's not a lot of drama. It's just they fall in love with who, with the with each other by just merely being themselves. Mm-hmm. The guy is not phased by the fame or the popularity and the glitz and the glamour it's just uh they are who they are they just happen to like fall into each other's lives um but there's one particular scene and specific scene that reminded me of Notting Hill was the press conference after they get married the way Notting Hill ends is a a press conference oh maybe listeners out there will appreciate my Notting Hill references a little bit more (laughs) wanted to give a few shout outs here uh in terms of the cast these are supporting characters that I think I wish that the actors were used more to their strengths. So we have John Bradley of Game of Thrones fame. Mm-hmm. He plays Colin, the manager. Uh, Michelle Buteau, who is the assistant Melissa. She has like just a few minutes of screen time in this movie. And I think like she could have been utilized a lot more. Is she from somewhere? She's in Always Be My Maybe. She has her own stand-up comedy special on Netflix. She's in other movies as well. And at the very end, the coach of the competing math team is Utkarsh Ambudkar. I hope I'm pronouncing his name right, but it's 2022. I feel like I've seen him so much in the past six months. He's from Pitch Perfect? He's from Pitch Perfect. He was in Tick, Tick, Boom recently, like very cameo, Tick, Tick, Boom. He's in the new Hulu show, Dropout. Um, I'm missing something else he was in as well, but he just seems to be everywhere. And I wish that they used these people a little bit more. I actually don't think that they needed to. I think all of these people, uh, not to forget, what's his name? The acapella coach or the the, the glee club manager? What's John, his name? Jonathan Pratt or something like that? Yeah, he his character's name is... His name is Jonathan Pitts. Gregory Pitts. No, it's Jonathan Pitts. It's Jonathan Pitts? Yeah. Are you sure? I looked it up on IMDb. In real life, it's Jonathan? No, that's the oh. act, the character's name. So I feel like every one of the secondary characters is just there for comic relief. Oh, and no, Sarah like, Silverman and also. And Sarah Silverman. Like, all, all of them play bit roles. Even his daughter plays a bit role. I would say Samuel Tarly from Game of Thrones has the biggest non... Uh, mean. Yeah. And even Bastion, right? Bastion is arguably the third most visible character in the entire movie. Mm-hmm. He's a shell of a character. There's yeah. no, gr- there's sure. nothing there. I'm not saying like I wanted a plot B and C and D for these characters. I just wish that there was more comic relief, that they mm. had more, chi- you know, opportunities to shine. That's all I'm saying. Fair. What it felt like to me is that everybody was was a cameo. It was just some people had it was like a sl- split second. Yeah, it's just Sarah Silverman had a much longer cameo, but every role just felt like a cameo to show someone like, oh, that's the guy from Pitch Perfect, or oh. That's the person from, from whatchamacallit. Yeah. So it, it really was just two people in this movie. Mm-hmm. And like I, I appreciated all of the bit parts from each actor and actress. And I, I didn't really want any sure. more from them. Let's talk the music. Because I file this under things I like. 
Oh, yeah. I mean, we've been listening to it for the last <laughs> 24, 24 hours. <laughs> so I will caveat and say that the first time we watched this movie, I was like, eh, the music is like so-so. Marry Me is like the only catchy song. And it's like not that's that like the third, great. That's my third favorite one. Right. So then after the rewatch that we did yesterday, the song that I really like, actually, is I think the one that you like is called On My Way. Mm-hmm. It's the song kind of like towards the last quarter of the movie, the pair have separated and she's singing the song and there's a montage of both of them living their own lives um, and she's in the studio recording it and yeah it's it's a very catchy song there's a remix apparently on the spotify playlist which is i think unnecessary but on my way yeah some surprising bangers from this movie so i think every song that j-lo sings is a banger in this movie with the exception of church 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 yeah it's kind of a weird song the way she performed it too with like nuns yeah she's like dressed like a cross but i think that scene that you talk about about her in the studio and she's singing it that's another example of one of my favorite scenes Mm. it's just her singing her heart out in the studio and if you look at her face there's just so much emotion in there and this is weird for me to to hone in on a specific performance like this but i i really got lost during that montage in how she was um you're so herself. serious which is why i'm laughing it's just really funny to hear you talk about j-lo so seriously and then the lyrics when i read them out now they they sound a little cheesy but okay. in the moment sure they all make so much sense okay, so that please. song on my way to you every heartbreak was a yellow brick road on my way to you i was never lost i was just passing through this is this is not <laughs> keats um this is not the poetry of anybody famous, but it's it's captivating. It works, right? It works for the character. It works for the movie. And J-Lo is so compelling. Like, she's so convincing on this emotional journey. I'm just going to go through some other uh, quotes or lyrics. Okay. So there was another song that was like, Spent a thousand nights finding someone to love me back. I am the love of the love of my life. Oh, yeah, that song. And it reminds me of a scene in my favorite rom-com of all time. Mm-hmm. Definitely, maybe where Isla Fisher says to Ryan Reynolds, I got a thing for guys who got a thing for me. Mm-hmm. You know, you have Notting Hill, I have definitely maybe. This is how it comes full circle for me. Mm-hmm. And then there's another song that was, I think, What Comes After Love. Uh, oh, it's a song that she sings a cappella as a, quote, private at the semi-formal dance. Oh, yes, yes. Yeah. I want to know there's something for me after us. I don't think my heart was made to break this much. I believe, I believe in love even if it wasn't meant for us. And it's like, you're singing this at a semi-formal dance and it's like a bunch of teenagers. Yeah. But it also, it's doing the job not of just having something catchy and, you know, a musical background. Every single one of these songs is describing the singer's mental state at that time. Like, it's a narrative tool. Yeah. And it's, I don't know if it's kitschy, but I feel like it did a really great job as someone who rarely listens to lyrics of songs. Mm-hmm. But in this movie, I feel like, so effective. Is it because we watched the movie with captions on? Actually, no, we didn't. Maybe that's... that is weird. That is unique that you listened. Yeah. You just paid the extra attention to listen to lyrics. Yeah, I don't... I'm not sure. I just tried to do a quick Google search to see if J-Lo actually wrote these songs. I was inconclusive. I don't think she wrote these songs. But that would have been a whole different level if J-Lo actually wrote the lyrics to her own songs in this movie and in general Mm -hmm. okay so let's move on to things we don't like about this movie can i add one more thing oh please sorry go ahead i think this movie is extremely ambitious in the themes that it tries to tackle not in its execution right it's it's not trying to be super serious but the individual themes that it tries to tackle there are so many of them Mm. and i i feel like the poem that she used in her vows i went down a rabbit hole last night it's a keats poem and it's, it gets real deep. It talks about, like, mortality and, you know, missed opportunities. And there's so much, I don't know if it was trying to do this much, but it definitely feels like if you want to find meaning in this movie, you can definitely mm-hmm. find it. And I found it. So That's why you're giving it an 8.1. Yes. But I have a whole themes Oh, category, yeah. Okay, sorry. So I'll... we'll hold on themes. You keep on bringing up themes. I'm sorry. Which I'm excited to hear you dive into. Okay, so now, what are some things you don't like about this movie? Charlie. Okay, so this is the Owen Wilson moment that we're going to talk about. Okay. Yeah. 
it's difficult for me to say that I like or don't like any other character because no one else has actually been attempted to be fleshed out. Whereas I feel like Owen Wilson's character is just there. He's reactive. He's a bit of a one-dimensional person who's just, you know, he's a caring father. He's kind. Mm-hmm. He's, he's a bit of a dork. And he's got a thing about uh, taking risks or not taking risks. But short of that, I don't feel like he evolves a whole lot. And even by the end of the movie, I don't feel like he's found his his redemption from dumping Cat Valdez. Cat had to come to the rural town of what, Peoria. Peoria. Let's not call it rural. Okay? I'm sorry. I'm not from <laughs> Illinois. So, like, he doesn't learn his lesson really. He's great at teaching other people lessons. He's great at acknowledging his mistakes, mm. but he never takes the initiative to address his own shortcomings. And so I. I feel like I'm just frustrated at Charlie the entire movie. I will say that, A, I don't think this movie is meant to be Charlie's movie. 100%. As we talked about. Like, 100%. this is totally about Kat and her evolution and her journey. So, totally agree with you that Charlie's not a fleshed out character, but I don't think he's meant to have that. He's a vehicle for Kat. Yes, you're, you're 100% right. And I think, I don't know why I found this frustrating, but that's why he was my... If I had to find the least favorite person, mm-hmm. it would be him. Yeah. Well, in in addition to let's just like bash on Charlie now, is that I did think that there were some weird moments in this movie regarding his character. Like, there were some scenes where he was like mansplaining to Cat, the whole like bowling scene. And I was like, sure, Cat just kind of took it in stride. Like, she took it as an opportunity to just be like, kind of tease him and mm-hmm. make fun of him. But I, on a deeper level, why would he automatically assume that she doesn't know how to bowl. And then another moment was, um, or not not a specific moment, but the general theme of Charlie's character is not into social media. He finds Kat to be kind of superficial and like her whole life is sponsored. He's like, I'm above all that. Social media is the devil. He's a little judgy. He's very judgy and like Kat calls him out on it. But the whole conversation where Charlie challenges Kat to like see how she can live without any help He's on a high horse, right? Yeah. And all she asks of him is to just get on social media. It's not a really equal challenge, in my opinion, but it felt kind of condescending. That's that's fair. I didn't think too much into the bowling incident. Uh, I think the areas that frustrated me about his character was how he reacted to Bastion coming back into the picture. Mm. And how quickly he just folded and he like regressed into his mentality of, I can't lose anything if I don't put myself out there. Yeah, he doesn't want to compete. He's taking himself out of the equation. Yeah, that hit me because I think there's an element of me and a lot of others who don't want to put ourselves up for failure. Mm-hmm. And that's the natural reaction. It's like, well, I'll, I'll just bow out quietly. Yeah. How can he compete with another world famous guy who... Is more on her level. And, you know, who only uh, looks more handsome as he grows older. (laughs) So I I had some difficulty with how he he did some of that. But then I also realized, like, Bastian is a superstar. Charlie is a middle school math teacher. And so there's always, you know, some level of self-doubt. And, like, I believe I was Mm -hmm. able to come to grips with that. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I have two other things I don't like about this movie. And I'm being very nitpicky here. One is the ending in terms of the like the end credits as the credits are rolling and there's all these like snippets of couples um from the movie like apparently the the coach of the opposing math team and Melissa the assistant have found love oh yeah yeah and, and there were some real Col- people there Colin, too Colin right? the manager finds love with Jamila Jamil who's randomly in this movie who plays like the the wardrobe person on Fallon find love right and then there's a bunch of random I'm assuming real people who have found love. And I was just like, it felt like a very When Harry Met Sally moment, which is, I don't know if you understand that reference, if you've seen that movie in full. I've seen it uh, probably more than once, but I don't remember anything from the right. movie. So this is a When Harry Met Sally moment. That's how that movie ends. It's just like couples uh... kind of sitting side by side on a couch being like, oh, this was our meet cute and look at us 50 years later, we're still married. I was like, I don't really get this for this movie. It seems very out of place. Didn't really like it. Didn't need it. Okay. I mean, I didn't get it either. But by that point, I had felt enough closure that I didn't really care what happened in the... Right. And it's not even like an epilogue of six months later. It's just like 
we met at a concert. Mm-hmm. That's how we how we met. That's one. And then the other one is there were some really weird product placements in this movie. I like them. Full disclosure is that JLo is a spokesperson for Coach. Oh, she, okay. she is. Like currently, I believe she's been with the brand for a few years now. So I understand that moment when like literally a cart of coach just gets wheeled into the room and she has to like she's working with a charity so i get that mention but like two other mentions were both in the school context is like the kid built a wix website and he also uses like a google voice activated was it called like search it was a voice search for, sure it was just weird yeah I mean, Vitamix was also a huge... Oh, yeah, Vitamix. Well, I understand that. That contextually makes sense to me. She's there being an influencer for Vitamix. Maybe, if I had to argue this, this is a bunch of very precocious and math-forward teenagers, and they're trying... I don't... I don't... I can't. (laughs) Wix.com. I mean, I feel like we need some Wix love because Squarespace gets mentioned on podcasts all too often, so... Wix.com, if you're listening. Okay, so we've now arrived at themes. Frank, what are some themes you, you took away from this movie? One of them is around finding balance. Hmm. So this, I don't think, is the main theme, but it gets referenced once or twice. And it's actually on a walk where Tank, the dog, yeah. just lays down in the middle of the street. But Kat references her necklace, which Bastion had given her. I forget exactly what was what it's it said. It's a thing. That sing, I think at that point I was a little confused because Bastion wasn't really the antagonist. Mm-hmm. He's not an antagonist. He's just there. Right. And she says something like, "Nobody is all bad, Charlie. If they were, it would make things a lot easier." Mm-hmm. And so I feel like it's it's pretty self aware of things are not one sided. Things there's always other perspectives. But I think that ties into the broader themes of the movie because. It forces you to not get lost in your own ways. It's like, you got to switch it up because whatever you've been doing, it's only one side of what you're seeing. There's probably other angles of this that you're missing. And so you got to, it's complicated and mm-hmm. you got to, you got to work through it. You got to try new things. Otherwise you'll just get the same result. Well, so you're saying this and it makes me like reaffirm what I said earlier at the beginning of this conversation is that I like that these people are older. They've lived life. I think a lot of maybe young people, younger people, see things more black and white. And Kat has reached a point in her life, she's a very, you know, she's, it seems like she's been in this industry for a really long time, has come across a lot of different types of people, which means, you know, she's adaptable, but she's also incredibly successful. You don't get to be her level of fame without dealing with a lot of challenges. Mm-hmm. So I think that that kind of further emphasizes that, yeah, in her opinion and where she is in her life, Everything is gray. Like, everybody comes into your life for a reason. You learn from it. You grow from it. So that's why I think, like, J-Lo and Cat Valdez are very Mm. similar. Yeah. And I I think it's that maturity Mm -hmm. that kind of leads to the other themes of, okay, if everything is multidimensional and you want something different to happen, whatever it is that you've been doing has to change. And so there's a whole host of quotes throughout the movie around like if If you you want something different you got to do something different i don't want to make the same mistakes over and over i want something different Mm -hmm. they hammer that point home i think that's the main theme of the movie yeah and that's why i like this so much because it's not just about love Mm. the the movie is a rom-com but it's everything in life whether it's career it's friends it's family if you want a different outcome you have to try something else mm-hmm. because you can't do the same thing over and over again yeah i totally agree i really like that statement that she says and it's not until towards the end of the movie she's on fallon with bastion and she's like oh i'm falling into this same mistake i need to do something different another quote that i think was mentioned multiple times in this movie is and i'm gonna butcher it it's it's um if you sit in the problem long enough you'll find your answer or something like that that one, that one was too cliche for me. It was too cliche. Not a theme. I'm just, you know, we're saying that things were repeated multiple times. That yeah. was one of them. Um, one theme that I took away is we talked about Charlie and him dumping Cat because he didn't want to put himself out there. But ultimately, yeah, you have to put yourself out there. It's hard, but it's worth it in the end. 
I mean, sometimes it's not worth it. I mean, sometimes it's not, but you won't know until you try it, right? So I don't want to jump ahead too much, but I feel like part of the ending scene at the spelling bee in Peoria, I know it wasn't a spelling bee. Not a spelling bee. It's a mathalon, Frank. Sorry. At the mathalon, Charlie's daughter gets it wrong. No, she gets the answer right. Oh, sorry. At at the spelling bee slash mathalon, Charlie's daughter is unable to get the answer correct in the amount of time. And it would have been a cleaner outcome if she was able to, you know, break through the adversity and just and just win. Right. But then I was like, one of the questions that is, you know, I try to think about because you write it out for, for us is, is that a good ending? Yeah. And I think it's a it's a much better ending, even though it didn't feel as good in the moment, mm-hmm. because it's it's a consistent thread of, hey, you don't actually know what's going to happen but you have to try. Mm-hmm. And so he tells his daughter when he runs up on the stage is like, you did great. You tried something. You didn't know what was going to happen. And what she had uh, done in the past was she froze. She got stage fright. Yeah. And I think that's basically what Charlie does. He, he freezes, he extricates himself from the situation and he chooses not to compete. So his daughter was basically doing the same thing in the previous mathalon and in this case, oh, wow. she chose to fight. She looked like a fool dancing on stage. Yeah. But I think he was proud because, she you know, tried. she tried. She did all the things that his character should have done. Right. And so that's why I thought that was a, a great ending. Wow. You found a lot of layers to this movie, Frank. <laughs> I don't know if I manufactured them, but uh, I you found know, some You know, we all take different things away from certain things. So I, I love it. And then the whole theme for me was uh, social media, which we touched upon earlier, but, and Kat also, it was one of the scenes where they're just getting to know each other over the phone. And he's like, isn't it weird to like be someone everybody knows? And she says something like, no, it's weird that everybody thinks they know me. Yeah. You know, I don't think Charlie's wrong in saying that social media is terrible. I do think it's terrible in many, many ways. I also think it's very wonderful in many, many ways. Again, there's no black or white here. There's mm-hmm. a lot of room for gray. But yeah, ultimately, who we project to be on social media is not, and usually, not who we actually are. I, I, I like that. I'll do the little heart button emoji. <laughs> Can we talk about social media? Because I've never used Instagram Live, and I don't understand oh, yeah. how it works. I mean, I haven't either. So maybe you can explain this, or maybe it's just a gap. Parker, who's Sarah Silverman's character... Yeah does an Instagram live while she's at the concert Mm -hmm. to show her ex Mm -hmm. how much fun she's having. Now, why would you do a live stream to show your ex? Like, don't you have to follow somebody for their live stream? Like, I guess there's just too many mechanics of social media that I don't understand. I don't know. Anybody can go live. It's just a matter of, will you have an audience for your live? Okay. That's why usually people, I think, schedule a live being like, hey, I'm going live at 8 p.m., get into my comments, ask me questions, and I'll answer your questions. I think that's usually the purpose of a live in terms of engaging with your community. Otherwise, it's just like a demo for people to tune in live. Got it. And I mean, I know we were talking about Google, Wix, Vitamix, and Coach, but Facebook is or Meta is as big of a sponsor throughout this whole thing. Yeah, a lot of a lot of TikTok. I think I'm not on TikTok. There was a mention of TikTok. I don't know if they use this the like the screen grabs or the screenshots of TikTok or if all Instagram lives. I think it was all Instagram and Instagram lives. Got it. Anything else to add here about themes? There was some tangential discussion around this. There's this quote here that was, "You're just in love with the idea of what you wanted that person to be, but you can't marry an idea." And I think this was. Did Cat say that? Cat said that. I think it was toward the beginning of the movie, uh, after... Oh, after she gets, like, after she finds out Bastion was cheating on her. Yeah. And, you know, again, this was about love and marriage, but I think we also get married to ideas and concepts, but that's not, like, life isn't about concepts. They're, it's usually about real tangible things. Mm -hmm. And so I feel like if you let that sit as a question... It'll, it'll also bring up other, like, motivations, and I, I thought that was a, was a deep thought. Hmm. Um, and then there's another one where uh, it's also during the press conference. Mm-hmm. 
Kat says in response to someone who said that, isn't this a little frivolous or isn't something like that? She says, look where my plans got me. I'm banking a moment on a moment. You got enough of those and that's a lifetime. And to me, that is the most <laughs> inspirational, cheesy. You were so earnest about this. I love it. It was just, it was just so inspirational um, mm. because at the beginning of the year, part of my 2022 goals was to find novelty and delight in the novelty of life. And so hearing I didn't the, know that. I shared the Google Doc with you. <laughs> and I, I just felt like this was so appropriate that, you know, we get lost in the day to day. We get lost in ideas and concepts, but sometimes all you get are choices and moments and that's all your just life say is. Yes. Yeah, just like Jim Carrey in Yes Man. Yeah, which is the movie I actually watched for the first time recently. Wow, again, wow, you, th- you found a lot of layers to this movie. And that's why, again, I think this movie, if you're looking for something, you can find it. Yeah. But it's also only because these people are so, that they've been weathered by storms, that they're able to come to these realizations. But yeah, sure, I agree with you. All those things, definitely. Yeah, I'm tapped out. <laughs> Just even going through back all of these things is making me feel uh, empowered. Mm. So... Yeah, a weird J-Lo. J-Lo's weird very empowering. I would rather watch J-Lo talk about self-motivation than Tony Robbins. I'm sure we can find that online somewhere. Do like a, a mashup? Yeah, absolutely. Okay, so even though we've only seen this movie twice, have you been able to identify any favorite moments in this movie? Favorite lines or quotes? or oh, I've, I've hit all of them already. Oh, okay. I mean, th- those are the real impactful ones, but the the less impactful ones are the moments of brevity. And I feel like those were intermixed at just the right points throughout the entire movie. Like, what's a moment that had brevity? So the the officiant at the wedding okay. on stage has all these, like, <laughs> snarky reactions. Do you, some guy, take Cat Valdez? <laughs> it was just, like, the right level of snark yeah. during a very tense and... Um, Emotional moment. Yeah. And then, what is it, Jonathan Pitts... You have such a love for these most random characters. Yeah. So, I mean, when he does the... The Glee Club the gl- uh, teacher. Yeah. When she goes to the semi-formal, she, he tries to get his autograph, and he's like, love and light, love and light. <laughs> <laughs> An architect of dance and song, is yeah, that what he says? Exactly. Or she says, yeah. And he just shows up in Peoria. Yeah, like, WTF. That's actually a WTF moment. Why is he there? I mean, sure, if he's a chaperone, that makes sense, but... It just seems all of a sudden he's in Illinois. And I think other favorite scenes, I've mentioned the montage during the song On My Way to You, mm. just panning in on, on J-Lo's face while she belted out an emotional mm-hmm. hook. Yeah, those those are the main things for me. So I don't really have any big moments here. I, I was trying to recall, but even though we just saw this movie last night, I'll be honest with you, like... Everything is kind of a mishmash. I don't remember certain and specific moments because nothing's iconic. I don't think anything will become iconic. But as I mentioned at the beginning of this, it's kind of like a slow burn, mm-hmm. like this this love that they discover in each other. So I think I liked all the quieter moments. This, mo- this movie is very low-key, minus the song and dance numbers that Kat Valdez performs. Otherwise, it's just conversation, getting to know each other. And I like that moment you mentioned with Tank, and she shows Charlie her necklace, like, just those kinds of conversations of genuinely getting to know someone and why someone might be the way they are. Like those are the moments that I really liked in this movie. The other scene I liked was when Kat surprises Charlie for his birthday, going to Coney Island. I thought I was like, Oh, it's such a, such a sweet gesture, like genuinely sweet. And Charlie was genuinely touched. It's a baller ass baller. Sweet gesture. I know a guy who knows a guy. But I will say, though, I wish that there was more physical comedy. Oh, there's that one scene when J-Lo is in Peoria with her glittery red dress and she's wearing her Canada goose and she's like, it's very tight. So she can't run properly. So her running is very quick, short steps. I I wish that there was more physical comedy in this movie because in other J-Lo movies, I feel like she's really, she is quite funny. Does she do physical comedy in her other? In other ones, yeah. And I don't think that this movie gives her that opportunity. I mean, yeah, her character isn't... uh... Yeah, she's not like a klutzy, she's very put together, on top of her shit kind of woman. So yeah, that's a good point. 
Okay, minus like the entire premise of this movie being a WTF. Um, let's let's dive into this. Do you have any plot holes or unrealistic moments? Why does Parker have a third ticket to the most prestigious <laughs> yes. show? Like, like you were only going to go with your ex, and then now you also have a third ticket? <laughs> Who was the third point. ticket for? I love that. Did not catch that. Again, I just fell into it. But speaking of Parker, like, Sarah, Sarah Silverman's character was just quite random. Why was she just randomly around why does the guidance counselor have such a strong presence at the math club moments and she's just at charlie's apartment here i mean i get it i guess they're They're friends friends. they're friends outside of school so one one nitpick i have here is like are they actually legally married like we don't see any paperwork they talk about it at the beginning i guess charlie just agrees to go along with it Mm mm-hmm even Colin is like, there's no paperwork. That's not a real marriage. And Kat's like, let's just go with it. Let's let's sign the real paperwork then. They never get divorced, but that leads all the way to the end when she holds up the sign, marry me again. So I'm just, there's a lot of uh, fuzzy, I'm not really sure what the status of their legal relationship is. I never thought about that one time. Fair. Like, we're not meant to. I just realized this in post. It's like... There's a prenup, right? Like there's that scene where he's, where Charlie's ripping up the check. Mm -hmm. He's like, I was never in it for the money. Right. Um, But then Colin, the manager says something like, if you don't accept this, then it like nullifies our NDA or our prenup. So you have to accept this money. I don't remember him saying prenup. I just heard NDA. Maybe it was just NDA. Uh, For for me, one of the things that, I don't know, struck me as odd, it was I watched... uh, when they were trying to dance and answer math questions. Yes, absolutely. And I was like, there, I actually pictured myself trying to do this. And I was like, there's absolutely no way this would like, my brain doesn't work that way. No, I, I mean, absolutely. I wrote this down as well. The whole idea of doing complicated dance moves so that it'll distract you from doing challenging math problems. That doesn't make sense to me. I get, and I believe that distracting yourself with complicated dance moves may help you not think about the words that you, you know, might forget mm-hmm. because it, it, it distracts your brain. But you need to use your brain to do, to math. do math problems. <laughs> it's not like these math problems are buried inside of your head somehow. Fair, fair. That's a good point. Yeah. It was a cool device. Until I thought about it a little bit further, it was fine. Yeah. But then I thought about it. Yeah. No, I, it's hard WTF. Doesn't make sense. That's, um, that's really all I had in terms of the WTF moments other than the very obvious contexts about the movie okay i have two more one is after the challenge when they say you know no help allowed slash you have to get on social media Mm -hmm. the next scene is that they go to the hamptons i think it's the hamptons to cat's house yeah but they were clearly driven there by her driver oh and he's like standing there like you know charlie's like no you're not allowed to ask your driver for help like he, they drove... <laughs> he drove you there. Like, that's not what normal people have access to, is private chauffeur. So that's one. The second is, at the Mathalon, that kid heckles Lou on yeah. stage. What kind of shitty, like, a like uh, judge or whatever? Yeah, no, there's got to be more etiquette. Like, there's got to be some kind of rules of decorum, even if you're 12 years old at a Mathalon. I would like, disqualify those punk-ass totally. kids. Totally. That, that kid would be disqualified. And that's all I had. Yeah, I mean, not a lot to nitpick on because it's a it's a great movie. <laughs> so we talked a lot about the ending um, already, but is there anything else for you to add here? Are you happy with it? Any additional thoughts? I was happy about it. I was happy about the lesson that they tried to teach toward the end, and I was I smiled at, yeah. at the end. It maybe ended a little bit abruptly, mm. but uh, I like that there was a callback to what I assume is a love actually reference. With the, the, the Marry Me sign? Yeah. I don't think it's love, actually. I think it's just because he was holding the Marry Me sign at the beginning, and that's why she chose Charlie. So you might be right on that, but I also want to believe oh, okay. that it is inspired by love, actually, and say anything. I know the say anything is a boombox. Okay. But she raises it above her head. And any time I see someone raise something above their head in a rom-com, I immediately think of say anything. Huh. I don't know why. I didn't know that you've seen Say Anything. I have seen it. I don't remember anything about the movie. Minus John Cusack holding up the boombox. Yeah. Okay, fair. Um, yeah, the ending, I think, very predictable. There's an airport chase scene. You know, she she goes to Peoria to try to... And she also does it in a way that she 
tries to be normal, mm-hmm. but ultimately like kind of fails at it. But it is kind of funny. A side note, I love that scene where she's on the plane sitting in economy and there's just people like taking pictures of her because I would totally be that person taking a picture of a celebrity sitting in economy. You have definitely taken pictures of celebrities. Like stalker photos. Yeah. Like, oh, just stand here. I'll pretend I'm taking a picture of you. But in the background, it's clearly the celebrity. I clearly remember. I know. There's one. We can save that whenever we talk about a movie with that person in it. Um, Yeah, it ties it up very nicely. It's fine. I already mentioned that I didn't love the like end credit scene mm-hmm. with the random couples. Do you think Charlie and Kat stay together? I think there's a greater than a 50% chance that they stay together. Mm. Maybe greater than 65. So they get married again or they remain married or whatever the legal relationship yeah. is. And, yeah. and, and it works in your opinion. More than 50%. Yeah. They, they actually cited some stats earlier in the film when yeah. she comes to visit him at his house. And I think it was like 50-50 for your first marriage. Mm-hmm. And then for the second, and you know, for, worse. they're worse. So I think their odds are significantly better because I think uh, two reasons. One, Kat has already shown that she's willing to sacrifice parts of her, her lifestyle, parts of her, you know, her profession in order for this relationship to to flourish. Does she? She does. She cancels the private. Oh, she cancels the private. And she tells uh, her assistant, Melissa, to to clear the schedule. Yeah, you're right. And maybe these are, you know, honeymoon sort of phase sort of things. But I I feel like she's she's willing to to put love uh, ahead of some of the other things in her Mm -hmm. career. I think um, Charlie was maybe... He recognizes how stupid he was because... When Colin comes to see him, he's like, just make sure you take care of her, blah, blah, blah. He knows he's he's screwed up. Mm-hmm. He just doesn't have the courage to to go back and fight for for the relationship. Mm-hmm. And now that he's presented with a second chance, I think he will hold on to that. Mm. So I think both of them know what they have. To your point, they've gone through a lot. Mm-hmm. And so um, they're not going to let this chance slip away. Yeah. I agree. I think that they make it. Um, again, like I mentioned, Notting Hill being one of my favorite movies. It's very similar kind of premise. They are different enough and have lived enough life to be intentional with certain choices that they make moving forward. Oh, also, what what is Charlie's daughter's name? Lou. Lou. I was just thinking about her also, FYI. We like barely <laughs> talked about this relationship. <laughs> Uh, Kat has a profound impact on Lou as mm-hmm. whether it's, um, just like an idol that a person that she idolizes yeah. or just day to day stuff. Yeah. And so as a very loving father, I feel like Charlie would pick up, has picked up on that and knows what a positive influence, uh, she would be in her, in his daughter's life. And also the fact that Kat seems to, to care about her, not just, yeah, everyone yeah. just seems so genuine and warm-hearted and open and vulnerable like yeah like everyone is nice there's no conflict in this there's no conflict which is probably why you like it so much so this movie just came out so i don't think it's been given enough time to like really talk about this this next question at length but do you think i guess this movie has the room or strength to become a beloved film in terms of the rom-com world I mean, the question for me is whether Wix.com is going to be able to last into the future and people will actually understand that reference. Okay. Like I said earlier, it's not going to make people's... Hundred, top hundred lists, yeah. yeah. It's not that type of of thing. I think it'll be... Like when Mean Girls first came out, did people think Mean Girls was going to have like the voice of a generation to it? I don't think so. Mm -hmm. But now, like Fetch is still... Like everyone knows what Fetch is. I don't think people use it, but they know what that word is yeah, in reference yeah, so, to. Exactly. Or it's not going to be clueless. Okay. Like the mo- You're the saying movie. it's not going to be a classic. It's not going to be a classic, but it is going to, it's going to appeal to a certain group of people who find meaning in it and it's going to stick with those people mm-hmm. and it's, it's making a difference in the world. Yeah. Uh, I'm not sure. So what I usually do, as I mentioned, is I read and listen to some critics' thoughts on certain movies. And so what I have found surprising is that The critics who have reviewed this movie all seem to really enjoy this movie. They haven't shit on it. They say that 
the chemistry is believable, that the production quality is pretty decent. J-Lo gets to shine and she is really just being the badass that she is. So um, while I don't think this movie will have like iconic status, mm-hmm. as you've said, I think a lot of people might find the initial pairing of Owen Wilson and J-Lo to be kind of like, what? Really? But I think the people who actually sit down to watch this movie, I think that they will find it enjoyable. And I know it's kind of limiting right now. It's only on Peacock. That's probably the major limiting factor <laughs> for people like actually having the chance to see it. Yeah. Well, one, one quick thing. Speaking of Peacock, because it's an NBC property, that's why Jimmy Fallon's in this movie uh, as Jimmy Fallon. So there's that connection. But I know you wanted to say something about the production quality of this movie. It is nicely shot, but it was just weird that certain certain scenes seemed shot in like a wide angle. So faces toward the end of the the edges of the frame were mm-hmm. like stretched out. And I'm wondering, like, was this because they were in the pandemic and they were shooting in confined spaces and they just couldn't step farther back? And I don't know for yeah, something. It was inconsistent. Some actual like footage. Yeah. In the school specifically, mm-hmm. the kids looked really stretched out or really narrow or something like that. Maybe there just aren't big enough classrooms to accommodate that type of shot, but... It was like a fish lens type thing? Uh, yeah. That's called. Yeah. J-Lo will, I think, give this movie legs. She actually has another rom-com coming out later this summer Oh. called Shotgun Wedding with Josh Duhamel, which I'm very excited about, obviously. Is it also on Peacock? I don't know, but I am looking forward to that. Okay, so I have some trivia for you. J-Lo's son... Real son, Max, is apparently making his film debut in this movie. He plays a student at the Mathlon competition. Don't know which kid he is. Um, So this movie was actually filmed in 2019. So pre-pandemic. This movie had been, like, pushed back multiple times. It was supposed to release in 2021, uh, Valentine's Day. But then it got pushed to, like, a fall date, but then ultimately pushed to Valentine's Day 2022. I guess they were also still filming in the beginning of the pandemic. So... There was that one scene when JLo's like before the wedding, she's mm-hmm. getting like massaged in her home and yeah. Maluma, like they're FaceTiming or whatever. That was actually filmed during COVID. Okay, so this next trivia point JLo is 25 years older than Bastion Maluma. 25 years. Can't tell. You can't tell. Nope. It's amazing. Um, JLo and Owen Wilson were in Anaconda together. No way. Was he an anaconda? He was an anaconda, but as I mentioned, I have not seen that movie. And we didn't really talk about Maluma, who's the Bastion character, but this is his movie debut. All right, Frank, let's wrap this up. Last thoughts? Last takes? John Rogers wrote this movie. Do you know what other movies he's written? No, I don't. He wrote Transformers 1, (laughs) which I would say is the best Transformers. The Michael Bay Transformers. Yeah. Wow. Of all of all the Michael Bay Transformers, yes. number one has been the best. Yes, agree. And then maybe not so good in any sort of context, Catwoman. The original Catwoman, like with Halle Berry. Uh-huh. Not a good I haven't seen that it's one. It's not good. And Interesting. Tammy Sager, I think uh, the second build writer, mm-hmm. has written for 30 Rock and The Great. Okay. And then the director, Cat Cor- uh, was it Coria? Cat Coiro? has directed the series Girls 5 Eva. Which is a show that Frank and I really, really like. Also, only exclusively on Peacock. So apparently, listeners, you need to get on Peacock. But I, I feel like I see all of that. Like, I see the simplistic drama of Transformers. Mm-hmm. Not that it's a bad thing. It's a very straightforward movie. Transformers... Entertaining. Yeah. And then I see the wittiness of a 30 Rock, like the quick fire, you know, snappy dot. Sure. I don't I don't really see a lot of quick fire in this movie, but... I, the snarkiness. I see the snarkiness. Okay, okay. And I just I just feel like it came together really well. Like, this could have been a movie that totally sucked, and it didn't. Yeah. It was great. Even though we've just finished, like, we're towards the end of this recording, like, is this script great? No. <laughs> is this a great movie? Not no, but, like... Is it entertaining? And did we take away things from it? It was enjoyable. Yes, absolutely. Hands down. But yeah, as we mentioned, this is not going to be Oscar nominated. This is not even going to be like on anyone's best hits. I don't know if this is J-Lo's. I mean, if you're building like a J-Lo list, maybe this movie's on there. I don't think it's top three. So we'll we'll say that. But yeah, uh, last takes for me is that if you want to watch J-Lo, be J-Lo. Mm-hmm. This is this is what you you want to like just sit back enjoy turn your brain off and I bet 
that you will look up this soundtrack on Spotify as well and just bop around to it for a good hour. Uh, three hours. <laughs> well, thank you, Frank. This was really fun. I'm really surprised and happy that we uncovered so many layers to what a seemingly simple movie is. It was a journey. It was a journey. I'm so glad to have gone on this with you. Thank you. Um, we'll talk soon. Look forward to another movie. Thank you listeners so much for tuning in to another episode. Please follow us on Apple Podcasts and Spotify and follow us on Instagram at Romcom Weekly. Would love to hear what you think of Marry Me. What would you rate this on a scale from one to 10? And we'll chat with you again next week. Bye.